we can continuing in this uh, kind of church season of epiphany. And what has been interesting is not just the story shared this morning out of scripture and out of real life of people opening up their eyes to see what God is doing uh, around them, but that's really been the theme of the scriptures that we've been looking at here in this new year. We started with the story of the Magi who opened their eyes to see a star, to follow the star, and eventually to come and find Jesus. Uh, The other week, we shared the story of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, and John sees the dove uh, descend. He hears the voice of God, and so he's opening up his eyes to see what God is doing in the world. And this morning, as we look at uh, our scripture, as you heard it read this morning, uh, you start to see other people opening up their eyes to what God is doing in the world and partnering with God, being invited into um, relationship with God. And as so as we come and take a look at this scripture this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you are at work in our lives. We thank you that you have been at work through the life of the people of Israel, at life uh, in the stories we read out of the Gospels, but that you also continue to be at work in our life today. And I pray that you would open our eyes to your word and to your work in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you caught all of the the repetition that's happening in our scripture as uh, Mr. Chet was reading it this morning, Uh, but I want to take a a closer look at the repetition that happens here in the scripture. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. You're going to have some help on the screens, but if you uh, have it there in front of you, it'll be helpful. John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. I want us to catch first all of the the seeing words. Everything that's related to seeing in the scripture this morning. And so that begins uh, in verse 29. We read that John saw Jesus coming. John saw the Spirit descend on Jesus. One verse later, uh, John says, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. That's actually God speaking to John the Baptist. He on whom you see the Spirit. Verse 34, John says, I myself have seen. Verse 36, he watched Jesus walk. Verse 36, John says, Look, here is the Lamb of God. Verse 38, Jesus saw them coming, and then he asked those that are following him, What are you looking for? Verse 39, he invites them to come and see. And then at the end of the verse, it says, They came and saw. Verse 42, it says, Who looked at him? Do you see all these 
seeing words. These are people opening up their eyes to what God is doing. They're catching a kingdom vision of reality. They're seeing what is really happening in the world. But I also want you to catch what comes along with the seeing. Go back to verse 29. It says, John sees Jesus coming and declares... In verse 30, John says. Verse 32, John saw the Spirit and then John testified. Verse 34, John says, I have seen and have testified. Verse 36, he watched Jesus walk and he exclaimed. Verse 36, uh, later, John says, look, here is the Lamb of God. Verse 38 Jesus saw the men following, and he said, See something, say something. Those of you that were just traveling uh, through the airports, maybe you saw something like this in the airports. This is the TSA's version of see something, say something. It's about security and and protection. And um, if you see something negative or suspicious in the airport, you're supposed to come and report that something. Well, this morning what we have is not the TSA's version of see something, say something. This is the gospel version of see something, say something. John the Baptist has experienced the the movement of God. He has opened his eyes to the work of God in the world. And then he testifies. He proclaims it. He tells everyone what he has seen and what he has experienced. And then he says to others, he says to, to his own disciples, his own followers, why don't you go see for yourself what Jesus is all about? So the gospel is the story of Jesus that impacts our lives in in so many ways. It's a story we live out, but it's also a story that we proclaim, that we testify about. I like the words of uh, David Fitch, who says, proclamation is description. It's like painting a picture. The proclaimer describes the world as it is under Jesus as Lord and then always invites the person into it. Arguably, proclamation must precede teaching. Proclamation does not explain the gospel or argue for it. Proclamation tells the story, describes the alternative account of reality it offers, and then asks, can you see it? Can you receive it? Do you want to enter in? The teacher then explains it by answering questions and delving deeper into all its meanings. Christians need both proclamation and teaching. But I think the story this morning is a focus on the proclamation, the declaring, the testifying part of the gospel, of sharing the gospel. For many of us, this idea of proclaiming the gospel is... um, uncomfortable. There's been some um, recent studies done by the Barna Group on the word evangelism and, and really how an increasing number of Christians are viewing that in a negative way. 
maybe because we've seen that become manipulative. Or maybe because we think it has to come in a, in a pre-packaged version. But this is about having eyes to see where God is working and how God is working in our own lives, in the lives of those around us, and in the world, and proclaiming or testifying. I wonder if maybe we're not afraid sometimes of proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the good news of Jesus, and where Jesus is at work in our lives, because maybe we haven't opened our eyes to see it for ourselves. Maybe we're not sure our eyes have actually seen God's work in the world. and We don't know how to, to point it out. We don't know how to, to look at our lives or look at the, the life of those who are in struggle and say, you know, how is God working here? How is Jesus working in this situation? Or are you open to Jesus working in this situation? We don't know how to point it out. You know, it takes practice to see something and, and say something. I can look back and, and see different times in my own life where at first it didn't seem like God was working in something in a situation. But in hindsight, I can see where God was working. One of those times, um, I was probably 12 or 13 years old. And my dad had been an accountant for 18 years. And after 18 years um, and some other um, failed business ventures that he thought would help him out, he, he felt called to something and it took him a little while to, to figure out what that something was. He felt called to the ministry, to be a, a pastor. And so he went through all the licensing process and everything. And at that time, our home church was looking for a new pastor. And we all thought, this is great, this is wonderful, this is a perfect fit, you know, son of the congregation just coming home and, and, and being the pastor. And that has worked out well for you all. But in this case, um, we came one evening uh, to take the vote. And many of you won't ever have the opportunity to be on the, the pastor's side of that. Uh, Dad did all the question and answer stuff, and then we were ushered down to a, a room down in the basement to wait, to sit there and wait. A friend, uh, well, while that waiting was happening, Mom and Dad said, you know, we've been, we've been praying about this. We've been trying to be faithful every step of the way. And, and they said to, uh, there's three of us uh, boys, they said, we feel like God has led us to this point. And for us to be faithful, we feel like we need to have a 90% vote um, to enter into ministry here. We had a friend uh, come down and came in to... Give us the vote. And it was an affirmative vote. Came in at 83%. And I knew what that meant. Because my parents had been faithful every step of the way. And so 
the church that they had been raised in, the church that we were raised in, where we had friends and family and everyone, dad declined. And mom took us boys home. And I was so mad at God for a long time. How could this not be your work? You've, you've set it all up perfectly, it seems. I was upset with my parents, upset with friends and family. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't anyone's fault. In the aftermath of that, we ended up moving to Lebanon, Pennsylvania. I had no idea where Lebanon, Pennsylvania was. <laughs> we move and... I can tell you now that God was at work in all of that. Calling our family out in faithfulness, and that story has, has shaped my life, continues to shape my life. I met a girl down the street at a farm, 30 seconds down the road. She's my wife now. Uh, my brothers met their wives here. This is home uh, it's, it's changed our life, and now we can see that God was working in these situations in ways that we could never begin to imagine. But I will tell you, at the time, I did not have the eyes to see what God was up to. It's only kind of in the aftermath and from people helping me through that time that I can start to see how God was working, that I can start to tell you that there was good news in following God's plan there, even though I couldn't see it at the beginning. We slowly start to have eyes to see how God is at work. I started to learn how to proclaim God's care and love and redemption in my own life. It takes practice to see and to say. You know, I'm not always the most naturally optimistic person. And so it takes work for me to, to see how God is working in my life, to see how God is uh, at work, sometimes behind the scenes, sometimes just uh, moving and, and helping me grow. It takes work to see how God might be moving in a, in a situation or working in someone's life. You know, I don't think the gospel it comes in a prepackaged message. I think there's different entry points to hearing and to seeing God's good news. For John the Baptist, he says, I, I saw a dove and I had heard God's voice. He heard the message from God, and now he invites others to go and see. For Andrew, he, he goes and he spends time with Jesus. He's, he spends the afternoon with Jesus, and that transforms his life. Andrew goes and invites his brother to, to come and see. When we develop eyes to see, we can help others see too how God is working at redemption in their life. But it means the good news of Jesus touches people in, in a lot of different ways. I think often if we just come with the, the prepackaged message, it's usually a 
truncated message. It's, it's usually part of the larger story, but it's not all of the, the, the story. The good news is too big, too wonderful to fit in some prepackaged version. But I also want us to see something else in this story. I want us to see something about how the kingdom story of God is proclaimed. John directs his own disciples to the Lamb of God. These are people that he's been teaching, people that he's been living with, people that he's been in relationship with, and he says, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Go check it out for yourself. Andrew goes back to his brother. Again, tapping into a relationship that he's had his entire life. Saying, come and see what Jesus is about. Come and see this anointed one, this Messiah. And when they come and, and they are interested in Jesus, Jesus doesn't launch into some theological dissertation about who he is. There will come a time for teaching. There will be time spent with Jesus, uh, the teacher. But here he invites them to come and see. I love that Jesus, uh, when he's asked a question, he often responds in a very open-ended way or he responds with more questions. He's inviting people to come and experience and grow for themselves, to enter into relationship. And so I think we have to be present with someone in order to proclaim. Yeah, there may come times where we need to proclaim and, and testify to the masses. But what we see here in this story, what is modeled here, is proclaiming the kingdom story out of a relationship. We're inviting someone to enter relationally into following Jesus. And when we see God at work, we say something or we speak the gospel into situations that we see. Again, I was drawn this week to the, the words of uh, David Fitch, who says, To the one suffering fear and anxiety, Jesus is Lord. And he is working in that situation. Can you believe and take a step forward in faith? To the one who's angry at what has been done, Jesus is Lord, vengeance is his, and he is working to reconcile all things. Can you forgive in Christ? To the one suffering depression, God is working here. He alone has created you for purposes before the founding of the world. To the one who is lost in guilt and shame, he has taken your sin in the cross and forgives you unconditionally. He is Lord. Can you receive that? To the one who is broken, he heals. To the one who is dying, we cannot be separated from his love. Christ's lordship over the world may be proclaimed over that addiction destroying someone's life. He is victor. He is Lord in that broken marriage and the evil cycle of violence that has got a hold of our playgrounds in the neighborhood. And on and on. Jesus is Lord is the gospel. He is working for the renewal of all things. Can we enter in? Can we trust him and begin to participate and discern what God is doing and be faithful to him? 
See something, say something. Learn to see how God is at work in the world. It takes practice. We have to open our eyes. We have to align ourselves with Christ. And then say something. Testify. Proclaim the the inbreaking of the kingdom into the mess of our lives, into the, the mess of the world. Invite others to come and see. I think there's lots of people asking questions like, who is this Jesus guy? What is the kingdom story? What do you, what do you mean the, the gospel? And we get to say to people, you're invited to come and see. You know, God can give us eyes to see. God, we thank you for these stories, for the stories we've heard all morning throughout this uh, time of worship, of opening up our eyes to see how you are on the move. We ask that you would continue to open our eyes every day of our life to see how you are on the move in the world and in our lives. We thank you for the invitation to join you in your kingdom-building project. In Jesus' name, amen. As we draw our time of worship here to a close, I invite you to rise in body or spirit to turn in the blue hymnal to number 517.